The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Welcome to our wild world. Lions are iconic throughout our human history. They are the top predator in ecosystems. They are already extinct in 25 African nations and clinging to survival in 10 small and scattered populations in only 14 African countries. It's that simple. We are losing our wild lions. In just over the last five decades, across their former range in Africa, wild lion numbers have decreased by an estimated 90% to as few as 15,000 today. Territories and land once held by lions is becoming agricultural or farmland. Wildlife has had to give way to people. Thus, it follows there is less natural prey for available for lions, which further results in human livestock conflicts and retaliation, where in the end, the lion loses. To lose the African lion would be considered another failure in an already too long list of, of, of failures. In our quest and ability to keep natural populations of large predators alive in an increasingly human-centric world. My guest today, Dr. Peter Cat of Lion Aid, has dot org that's lionaid.org has been involved in a diverse selection of scientific fields for the past 25 years with degrees in marine biology genetics ecology evolution he's traveled widely widely applying his knowledge Peter spent 10 years in Kenya establishing biological research programs at the National Museums, including documentation of biodiversity, genetic diversity, research on predators, and research on a variety of diseases. He worked at the University of California, Davis School of Veterinary Medicine, and at the Centers for Disease Control. We are going to be talking lions today. Welcome, Peter. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here, Ellie, and uh, thank you for that introduction. You're uh, you forgot to mention you forgot to mention that I also spent twelve years in Botswana. But ah. <laughs> we can we well, can talk we can about talk that about that too. I do have that information, and I didn't want right. to overwhelm our audience with too much. So perhaps during our conversation, you can give us some information of what's going on in Botswana, because. Um, with conversations with Chris Mercer and Ian Mickler on the canned hunting uh, conditions of lions, which we've been talking about for a while on this program, wild lions have been taken from Botswana to feed the canned 
uh, uh, industry. But let's back up a little bit. Our love of lions. Uh, I love lions. I'm Leo. Uh, lions are all over my house, not real ones, um, indicators of lions. So love of lions for you. You've done a lot of background in on lions today, but also their culture and their history. Could you share that some of that with us? Well, to tell you the truth, Ellie, I... The, you know, when when the government of Botswana asked me to come and um, research their lion populations, I said, well, you know, at the time I said, well, how boring is that? Because everything is already known about lions. And this was in uh, 1994. And I thought... My goodness, you know, why is the Botswana government asking me to come and research lions? Because, you know, there's been so much lion research going on. For example, the first lion research study was started in the Serengeti in the 1960s. But how wrong I was, how absolutely wrong I was. There is so much more to learn about lions and so much more to um, investigate about them. And one so what of the brought things you to that, that conclusion? Really how did you find that out? From, you know, thinking, okay, we know everything there is about lions to that, that epiphany of saying, no, we don't, and we barely know enough to keep them alive. Well, the, the thing was that the more you, you start looking at lions and the more you start rejecting the, the, the sort of what, what is called um, what uh, implied knowledge or accumulated knowledge and start looking at them with a really fresh perspective, the more you realize that we know very, very little about this animal and um, the more we realize how important it is to gain incredible amounts of new knowledge and you know the new knowledge needs to be gained in terms of their genetics in terms of their susceptibility to diseases and even um, looking at things like their reproduction and their survival in the wild it's 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 a completely um, blank tablet as far as I'm concerned so basically and we had sad to we say had, we had little understanding of the entire dynamic of what it means to be a lion in the wild sadly not yet sadly despite all the research that's been going on about lions there are some crucial crucial areas that we need a lot more information on in order to be able to design effective conservation programs and i hope you're going to tell us about some of that well, I'll try. <laughs> okay, well, let's start a little bit and give our, our listeners a little bit of the history, how iconic lions are. A lot of us are urbanized today. Um, much of my audience does not live in a rural area where there are lions. We do have wildlife, not African lions. But, um, you know, lions have played a big part in our history. And um, looking into reading and learning about you, um, there's, there's a lot. So uh, let's try and connect the dots between this um, mental image and perception of lions in our history through iconic images to the real animal and the challenges it's facing today. Well, let's start, let's start a little ways back. And now I'm talking something like, 160,000 years ago, okay? Um, lions, uh, that, that's about the time when, when humans started leaving Africa, 
and they went you know they they went out of africa they went into the middle east they went into southern europe they went uh, all the way out of uh, the middle east into the into the far east but everywhere they went they found that lions were already there the lion uh, the lion migration out of africa had happened long before that and as a result, um, people who had been living with lions, when they started migrating out of Africa, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, they found that lions were already established way before them. And so lions have a huge importance in our history as a, as, as a human species, and as a result, um, our, our culture. Um, I think that if it wasn't for lions, and I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this straight out: if it wasn't for lions, we would be quite retarded in terms of our development of protective weapons, in terms of our development of fire, in terms of our development of secure housing, because whenever people came out of Africa, what they needed to do was to protect themselves. Right now. What we can see and um, is is uh, a, a tremendous appreciation of lions um, because they were so important to humans. Now, the, 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 there's some amazing stuff going on in terms of the, um, the 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 importance of lions in our culture that is seen through arts and um, literature, and you know I'll get into that. But the the first. Um, sort of representation of lions that we have comes from a place in southern France and um, the cave drawings that were made about 35,000 years ago. And they're beautiful, beautiful cave drawings representing lions, a group of lions hunting um, animals. Now, the people who were living in France at that time obviously had a very close connection to these lions because the representations are just incredible incredibly detailed. These people were already living with lions and observing lions and looking at them. And, you know, don't forget, you know, that, that lions were also in Africa, but the first representations of lions in Africa that we have are about 16,000 years ago. They were a little bit behind. And there's rock drawings in Namibia and, and Libya. And then, of course, we have all the, the um, fascination with lions that is represented in Egypt. Um, look at the Sphinx, for example. That's, that's a half-human, half-lion. And there's a deity in, in ancient Egypt called Sekhmet. And Sekhmet was, was a lion, and Sekhmet was uh, a goddess of war. And then we start looking further afield, and we see that we see lions in uh, lion statues represented in places as far afield as in Indonesia, where lions never occurred. In Cambodia, um, in China, China, you know, the the forbidden city in 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 Peking, in China, has lions guarding the doors because people thought that lions were protective animals, that they were powerful animals that could protect you from evil spirits and things like that. So if you have lion statues standing next to your door, they would prevent their entry. Um, we have um, an incredible array of, of lions represented on flags of nations. Um, the, the original flag of Tibet had um, what are called snow lions, and that flag is no longer allowed by China because, you know, that's sort of uh, a revolutionary flag that they don't allow anymore. And the, but still, you know, the flag of Sri Lanka has, has a lion on it. The, the town of Singapore is named after lions. I was actually born in Singapore by some 
you know, happenstance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, we see lions on, on, on coats of arms of lots and lots of European countries and also African countries. And there are masses of statues of lions all over the world. Um, you know, Trafalgar Square, for example, has huge lions there. And, and I bet you that anywhere you walk in the UK, you will see hundreds of lions being displayed all over the place. And even if and you that, walked into the Chicago Museum of Art, you would pass by two huge lions. There you go. Lions. There you go. There you go. And the New York Public Library has two lions standing there, and they're called Patience and Virtue. And, you know, then we start looking at, you know, the, the number of sports teams that have, have lions as their logos and their identification because, you know, lions are powerful. So sports teams love lions and there's baseball teams in Japan and there's the Detroit Lions and football team in, in the USA. And um, then we get to the company logos. My God, there must be thousands of companies that use lions as their logo because, you know, they're powerful, they're, they're faithful, they're wonderful. And, you know, what, what person would not want to be associated with a company that has as its logo of, of, of a lion? And then we have, for example, the MGM lion, all right, starting to roar at the beginning of their movies. And then we have um, lots of lions in, in movies, for example, the Lion King, and we have the Wizard of Oz with the Cowardly Lion, and then we have Aslan, uh, the lion in, in Narnia, in, in, the, in the tales of, of Narnia. Uh, all of this just adds up to a wonderful, wonderful relationship that we have had with lions over the years and even right now. And I think what, what um, it all adds up to a love of, of this animal. Absol Somehow. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we just love lions and we want their representations all over the place. We want statues, we want flags, we want company logos, we want this, we want that. But in the meantime, what we're doing is we're, we're sort of ignoring the animal in the wild. It's all very well to have a statue of lions, but, you know, we, we really need, and, and, and we'll get back to that, but we really need to be able to pay some attention to the actual animal that is the basis of all this wonderful love affair that we have with this animal. You know, lions are, in, lions are, are, are represented in the Bible, left, right, and center. And, you know, the, 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 um, we have the bestiaries. This is a compendium of, of animals that was published in the Middle Ages. And that's where the king of animals came from, because those people who, who were drawing all these, these and putting together all these tales thought that lions were king. We have Jesus represented as, for example, the, the lion of Judah. We have um, St. Mark, you know, he, he's represented by a winged lion. You know, lions are so much entwined with our culture and our history. The, the, the Muslim religion has, has lions in there. The Buddhists have lions in there, which is why, you know, all those statues were put up in China and in Indonesia and things like that. Um, it's, it's amazing how much we're, we're intertwined with lions. And, you know, one of the things that I really would like to see the United Nations do is through their programs in uh, UNESCO is to say, right, this species is so important to world culture and world history that what we're going to do is we're going to nominate lions as a species of world heritage concern, a world heritage species. And that's something that I really think needs to be done. 
And I think you're absolutely right. And with the anthropologist in you, we've just gained a tremendous amount of cultural history of how much lions mean to us. Whether you live in the inner city or whether you live in rural Africa, Singapore, or the UK, lions, we are related to lions in one way or another throughout our entire history. So that brings us to that point that, yes, I think uh, I agree with you. Lions should be a world heritage species. So we're going to get into that a little bit more about how you, working with LionAid, are are looking at new ways, thinking out of the box and finding new ways to bring humans and lions back together again out of this conflict relationship. So we've got about a minute to a break here. So... um, Maybe what we should do would be to stop here so that we can start in fresh uh, right after the break and bring in some of the problems with lions. How does that work for you? Absolutely. Uh, All right. Now let's, let's discuss the reality. Okay, so we've gone from history and now we're going to get into the reality. So uh, stick with us. This is Ellie Weiss, Our Wild World. We're talking lions today, history and what's happening today. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. Welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss with my guest, Peter Cat. 
So in the first section, we've got a wonderful history of our relationship to lions through our art, through our lives, through our culture, across the world. So now we're going to talk about the reality of what lions, the real animal, is facing today in their uh, very restricted range where they used to be all over the world. They are not anymore. So Peter, help us with some of the understanding of what is causing the current huge decline in lion numbers, wild lions. Well, Ellie, you know, we, we talked a little bit before about, you know, the fact that people in France 35,000 years ago were, were making drawings and wonderful depictions of lions on their cave walls. They lived together with lions in France. And and I said that, you know, wherever humans went, they, the lions had preceded them in terms of their migration out of Africa. But sadly, today, what we see is that um, obviously, there's there's no more lions left in in Europe. Um, we have populations of lions only existing south of the Sahara Desert. There's one little tiny remnant population of lions that is left in India in the Gur forest there, and we have. We have a confined lion population in very, very small areas in Africa. And what we see these days is that um, even those little lion populations in Africa that, that still remain are under huge threat. Um, for example, we don't even know how many lions there are in Africa. We know that there's a huge problem with, with the lion numbers um, in, in terms of, you know, saying, okay, well, you know, so many so many years ago, 20 years ago, whatever, we, we might have had uh, 100,000 or we might have had 200,000. But these days, we can't even, with all our technology available, we can't even really count the lions. Why? Now, I'm sorry, well, I have to jump in. Why don't we know? I mean, we know how many great apes there are. We have a good idea of how many bonobos and chimps there are and, you know, zebra studies. We can even understand how many grevies zebras there are. How come with all this history, we don't know how many lions we have on Earth in, well, in because, the wild, not in captivity? Yeah, no, in, in, in the wild, it's, it's really difficult because, you know, imagine trying to go out and count lions. What do you do? You know, you can't just sort of drive around or walk around in the bush and count one, two, three here and one, two, four there. It's it's very, very difficult and it requires, you know, trained teams and it requires um, work at night, you know, when the lions are out. And it requires photographs of each, each lion so that you don't count them twice. And I think um, it, it requires a huge amount of expense. And I think what people have done in, in order to, to come up, you know, you'll laugh at this, Ellie, you, you really will. What people have done is to, to in order to avoid that, that expense to do it properly, what they have done is um, they've relied on mail surveys. In other words, you know, you as, as somebody sitting in a country called Gabon or whatever, you know, you'd get a letter from somebody saying, how many lions do you think there are in your area? And so you'd fill that out. Oh, you know, there might be 50, there might be 200. I don't know, but let's fill in what And they uh, just sort 100. of do a bell curve and an estimate. Well, yeah, you know, what, what you get is, is people coming up with all kinds of nonsense estimates. And then, you know, sad to say, the, the, the current um, estimate of lions based, uh, you know, on the, the, the numbers of lions in, in Africa is based on a study that was done by some people in Duke University. Now, Duke University is a wonderful place and 
great professors and great students. But what they did is they took satellite images of the African, so-called African savannas. And they said this amount of Africa is still remaining in terms of savannas that are not inhabited by humans, or they could see from space that they're not inhabited by humans. And then what they did is they extrapolated lions into there. They said if you have if you have this much area, there must be this many lions. And that's how we come up with you know the the, the sort of estimates that we have of thirty thousand or thirty two thousand lions. And Ellie, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. You well, can't absolutely. extrapolate lions from space. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's great to have technology and the ability to think of this, but obviously, and the reason why we're talking today and have been covering the subject of lions so in-depth on this program is because there is a, a severe lack of knowledge and understanding that looking at lions from space is not giving us real numbers current distributions, and it doesn't represent the conflict between humans and livestock, which is the real problem today. And not only in terms of, okay, there's trophy hunting, we could get into that a little bit, and loss of lions, there's captive hunting, but that's a separate population of lions. Here we're talking about what is facing our real lions in the wild and how Lion Aid and Peter in his huge body of work not just with lionate but through his his lifetime and his love of lions has is telling us that this is not the way to look and scientifically understand what we need to do to protect lions absolutely ellie and 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 what what's happened with you know with these these let's come back to this outer space sort of estimate of of lions what they have done is they've said okay look there's lions living in in uh, in Somalia, that's a war zone. There's lions living in South Sudan, that's a war zone. There's lions living in Chad and the Central African Republic. Those are failed states. Forget about that. You know, it's just not going to happen. You, you know, in in there was a, a a conference that was organized by the IUCN in 2006, and they said, "Oh, uh, Senegal and Guinea, all the way in the west of Africa, there's 1,600 lions there." Some little guy went and, and actually looked at a number of lions on the on the ground, and he came up with an estimate of four, four lions that are still left in in Senegal. That's and a gap. Out of out of out of 1,600. You know that there's there's a huge amount of nonsense that is being spouted by um, people who, who who would like to extrapolate lions into various places. Tanzania is supposed to have sixteen thousand lions, and the reason why people believe that that Tanzania has sixteen thousand lions is because that survey it was a mail survey, you know, saying you know here here's a letter here fill in your form, and the the reason why that happened why they came up with sixteen 16,000 lions in Tanzania is because that survey was organized by the trophy hunters. Trophy hunters wanted to have lots and lots of lions all over the place. And they employed a guy, I won't mention his name, but they employed a guy wherever he goes, he can find lions. I bet you, you know, if he went to Arizona or Colorado or New York, he could find lions under every bush there. 
Well, there's soon going to be quite a few lions in, in Colorado. The Peru lions are coming here. Oh, but good. That's that wonderful. But yeah. that's a whole other thing. And, and, you know, if we have time, I would like to get into that. Because we're getting to a place where humans like to see lions, but we want to see them here. We want to see them right where we are. Because what, for whatever reason, we do not all have the ability to go and see a wild lion. And trust me, after 30 years in Africa, you can spend days out in the field in your vehicle and look for lions and you might not see them and over just the short period of time that I've been working in Africa I see less lions um, when I see them it's wonderful but I don't see them in the numbers that we used to see them so what's happened um, we have this disparity between these mail-in surveys and the hunting industry's inflated numbers of how many lions there are for whatever reasons uh, to bring in hunters but what is what is the real reason for this disparity of numbers and counts uh, playing the numbers game and real live bodies where have they gone well, the, the the main reason for the loss of lions is that um, lions, uh, you know, even 50 years ago, had a lot more habitat available to them. There were, there were less people living in Africa, and so lions had areas available to them outside of national parks where they could still roam and where there was still wildlife for them to eat. But more and more what we're seeing is that... Um, the human population is expanding at an incredible rate in Africa, and they're taking over all the, 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 the wild lands that uh, lions could formerly um, move around in. I like and what so you called it. You called it pride lands. Yes. And, and I think that, um, you know, what, what we have to face is that is, that is a reality. We can't do anything about, um, you know, the, the, the increasing conversion of pride lands into agricultural lands or, or whatever. Because, well, we you could. Know, these lands, we could if these, we stopped doing something about ourselves. But well, yeah, it doesn't but, look like know, it's I mean, happening. So we're stuck that's, with that's, this, this catch-22. That's, that's, that's going to take a long time and lions don't have a long time. But I think, you know, what, what's also happening is that, you know, that's, that's one reason why lions are decreasing is because they're running out of space to live in apart from the, you know, the protected areas. But even the protected areas, some of these protected areas are just on paper, you know, because the problem is that nobody ever goes to, goes on a safari to, let's say, um, Burkina Faso or Benin or, or Central African Republic. So even though they have national parks there, they're completely dysfunctional because they get no income. So even in protected areas, we're losing lion numbers. And I think the other big problem with lions is that they, um, they have, they're susceptible to a huge number of diseases. We, you know, we think of lions as strong and invincible, but they're very, very fragile animals, and they they are very susceptible to um, diseases that have come that have been introduced from the outside, and they're also very susceptible to their own disease called feline immunodeficiency virus. Now. Anybody who has cats will know about feline immunodeficiency virus, and lions have their own strain of this, and it erodes their immune system, just like HIV. Lions are becoming more and more susceptible to these outside diseases that are coming in because their immune systems are not working very well because they have FIV. Now, the outside diseases that are coming in and, and affecting lions are, for example, canine distemper. Isn't that now, what happened in the Serengeti? Absolutely. 1,000 lions died in 1994 because, you know, an outbreak of canine distemper um, came into the park and, and 
killed lots and lots of lions there. But we see that canine distemper is now spreading all over the, the, the African continent because of domestic dogs, obviously, unvaccinated domestic dogs. And then we have diseases like bovine tuberculosis, which, which are resident and well-established in, in Kruger National Park. And whatever we say about the numbers of lions that we still have remaining, what we're looking at is, you know, that, that number, I, I estimate that there's about fifteen to 20,000 maximum lions left in, in all of Africa. 400 lions in West Africa, maybe, you know, a few hundred lions here and there. But to get to that number of 15,000, what we have to do is we have to add up little bits and pieces of, of, of populations. Africa is huge. So you've got little bits and pieces of population. You've got 20 here, 30 there, 50 there. And so we add them all up together and come to 15,000. But those little populations are not viable. They're not long-term viable. They cannot be con seen as contributing anything to the the, the long-term conservation of lions. So they're sort and of for the long-term conservation of they're, lions... They're ghost populations. Yeah, they're, they're still there, but you know, at, at any time they might disappear. So for the long-term viable lion populations, we rely on five big lion populations. The first one is in Kruger National Park of about 1,200 lions. The second one is in northern Botswana and, and uh, linked to uh, Zambia. That's about 2,000. The, the other one is in, in Serengeti. That's about 2,000. Then we have a couple of other populations in Tanzania. Um, that are over a thousand lions, and we need those big populations to really have a robust population that is resistant. Because, like I said, you know, remember in in Tanzania, in in the Serengeti, that population of lions had to suffer a decrease of one thousand animals because of this canine distemper. So, what about so you, what about Kenya? You didn't mention Kenya. They don't have a a viable population of lions? Well, we, we, we don't know how well Kenya is doing. I think, you know, in, in places like Savo, there was a recent sort of, you know, count by whatever techniques they used, and they came up with about 700 lions. And then the Masai Mara, which is an offshoot of the Serengeti, uh, we don't even know how many lions are there. We, we've been trying to, to get the, the researchers in, in, in Kenya to give us, you know, their estimates of lion populations, but... Um, there they, are they a couple of programs in, in Kenya doing lion, there's lion guardians, guardians and living with lions. Absolutely, Which, yes. you know, are integrating people and also research and IDing lions. And yep. as you had said earlier, asking tourists to submit their photographs. Because it's not that easy to ID a lion, especially tourists. You know, you see one lion, you see them all. And an important thing, and I, I don't want to... Um, distract you because you're so fascinating I could listen to you forever but you brought up an interesting point and not all lions are the same well one of the fascinating things that we've learned some recent genetic information has come out to say that west and central African lions are not the same as the east and southern African lions in fact the west and central African lions are more related to the lions in India than they are to their, their brothers and sisters in, in, in Africa and this is something that um, the, the conservation organizations have yet to sort of absorb. And, and this is something that's so important in terms of lion conservation. Because like I said, in West Africa, we've only got 400 of these, you know, these, these uniquely distinct lions left. But because the major conservation organizations don't think that um, you know, they're any way special, 
you know, they're all sort of lumped in with lions. And they, until quite recently, um, they were still trophy hunted in Western Africa. Can you believe that? 400 lions left and they're still being trophy hunted. But anyway, like I said, way in the beginning, there's so much more that we have to learn about lions. And I think that one of the things is, is definitely their genetics. And the other thing is, is uh, you know, we were talking about diseases and the threats to them. So not all lions are the same. And when you see a lion in East Africa, it's not the same as a lion that you will see even in Southern Africa. They have established complete different populations and genetic profiles over time. It's like the Sava lions are not the same as the Maasai Mara lions. Um, there's been a lot of studies on that and people can learn more. What we need to do in terms of what the work with Lion Aid is doing is to work with African rain states to, to urge them to conduct scientific population counts. Exactly, exactly. And we, we really need to get to the bottom of this. How many lions are there? And, and sometimes it's, it's politically it's very different because, you know, like I say, uh, these countries want to be able to continue trophy hunting lions, and they will believe those high numbers. Tanzania thinks that they have 16,000 lions, which is more than all the lions in Africa. Well, this is astonishing. So, fortunately, we're going to have to cut away to a break. So, when we come back, we're going to talk about what we can do to help lion populations and keep lions around for future generations to come. So stay with me and my guest, Peter Cat will be right back. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up, our forests don't grow, our communities go hungry, our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect, it's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. the Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of travel, from maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations. Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd, Dreamweaver, airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. 
We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back. This is Our Wild World and my fascinating guest, Peter Cat. So before, interesting name, Peter Cat, and he loves lions. So before <laughs> the break, we were talking about the decline and the difference in these lion populations, that some of them are viable, um, some of them are ghost populations, but we really need to focus on the large populations that we do know we have, but we don't know how many we have. So how are we going to do that? How can we urge people, whether they live in Africa or here, to get our our politicians, our leaders, our scientists to get lions on the front page? Well, that's a really good question, and that's something that I've been puzzling about, because Ellie, you know that these days what is happening is that there's there's a huge amount of focus, conservation focus on elephants and rhinos, and, and, and should be so, because, you know, these poor elephants are being killed left, right, and center. Recent information coming out of Tanzania, um, the Tanzanian government doesn't even want to hear this, but, you know, it's, it's, it's coming out nevertheless, is that over the past year, something like 12,000 elephants have been killed in the Ruaha area of Tanzania. 12,000 elephants in one year. And, you know, we have this, this, this massive rhino poaching that's going on despite supposed all kinds of, of, of measures to, to try and prevent this in South Africa. So the, the whole world is focused on, on elephants and rhinos. The whole fo- world realizes that things like chimpanzees and gorillas and, and polar bears are highly endangered and we must, you know, we must protect them. But nobody's really thinking about lions. And that's, that's really too bad because there are fewer lions than rhinos, there are fewer lions than elephants, there are fewer lions than polar bears, there's fewer, you know, I mean, you name all the top species that people are concerned with in terms of, you know, labeling them as endangered and, and, and worrying about them. But lions are right in there and they're just not being paid attention to. Or labeling them as charismatic. I mean, in the first portion of this program, we just highlighted how charismatic lions are to our our being of of human beings. So we're working to get lions on the profile in the news. And But what are some of the things we can do, like with IUCN, which is the uh, body entity that is responsible for the red list, listing the threatened species, which are Endangered Species Acts and very other, various other countries' legislation acts upon. And then, of course, there's CITES. So we could probably do a whole program just on the ups and downs, the goods and bads of CITES. But what can we do? You just said a while ago that there's 20,000 lions left, and last year in Tanzania, 12,000 were killed. So lions do breed like rabbits. I mean, they do have cubs. They do keep breeding. But this is not a sustainable use, and it's not including science. No, and I think what we really, really need to do is is to sit down with with all the range states and say, come on, guys, um, enough is enough now. What what we really need to do, if you guys really want to conserve lions, you know, here's the formula, all right? And, and the formula is don't trade in lions anymore. 
forget about trophy hunting. Trophy hunting anyway belongs, you know, in the last century or something. And and we shouldn't engage in it. We shouldn't go out and go and kill um, a, a male lion because the consequences of killing a male lion are enormous. The, 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 the pride loses the male lion that, that was there siring the cubs. The new male comes in and kills all those cubs and, and et cetera. There's, there's hardly any reproduction in a pride where you have... Um, continuous trophy hunting and that's been shown again and again and again in, in a whole variety of even national parks it's interesting that the, the 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 hunters will not allow any kind of population surveys in their concessions they won't allow people in because they're really really scared of what they will find but um, what we can see is that the the national parks that border for some reason, you know, these countries said, well, you can have a hunting area bordering straight onto a national park. But, it, you know, the, the, the national park also suffers because the hunters lure the lions out. They even hunt in the national parks and things like that. And what we see in the national parks is a huge um, uh, change in, in, in the, um, the sex ratios of, of males to female lions because, you know, the males are being killed and we see no reproduction. And, and I'm sure that that's happening in the, in the concession, the hunting concession areas as well. And, you know, we always hear about, oh, you know, trophy hunting is, is, uh, is such a wonderful thing because it conserves animals. Forget it. It's nothing to do with conservation. It is unsustainable utilization of animals. Because, you know, if you, if you even look at, at some of the records that have been coming out, if you look at the, 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 the sort of financial viability that's been looked at in, in terms of concession areas, in Mozambique, 92% of the hunting concessions are not financially viable anymore. In Namibia, 67% are not viable anymore. In Zimbabwe, 44% are not viable anymore. Why? Because hunting is not sustainable. You know, these animals have disappeared. They've been hunted out. And so more and more the hunters are turning to the, uh, the, the national parks to supply their hunting areas with animals. And, and we need and to also, understand that national parks in most places are not fenced. Wildlife no, does not no. stay inside a boundary. It moves. Consider Yellowstone and the bison migration. Every winter they move out. Conflict with ranchers over brucellosis. So we have to understand that lions move. They, they require space. They require prey. They have conflict with people. And then we've got this population of people who just wants to come in for sport and remove them for to hang as a piece of, I can't even call it art, on the wall. So we've got all these pressures and all these challenges and uh, not enough science being put into place to, to convince, if that's the right word, to produce the, or do we have the data to, and, and that's what you're talking about, do we have the data to present to, let's say, the UK government and the EU, EU Commission, the IUCN and CITES to say this must stop? Well, we, we absolutely do. We absolutely do. But the problem is that, you know, whatever we present as scientific information, there's always a counter lobby. You know, in the United States, you have some very, very powerful organizations like the Safari Club International, the National Rifle Association, the Dallas Safari Club. And whatever we do, you know, as a, as, as a, as a sort of conservation organization, these guys always have pots and pots of money that are much bigger than ours. And they go and, you know, they support. Um, the, 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 the re-election of people in Congress and senators. And, and so they have, a, they have a really strong hold on these people in terms of being able to influence policy. Now, one good thing 
is that um, finally, and you know, the, the original proposal came in 2011 to list African lions on the U.S. Endangered Species Act. And this was a wonderful initiative and you know, highly needed. And, you know, now what's happened, you know, here we are in 2015, and four years later, there has still not been any kind of movement. Well, there has been movement, but there has not been any kind of resolution on the part of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to say, okay, lions are now on the U.S. Endangered Species Act. Well, what that's they have partly done, because they're backed by all this money that you're talking about. Absolutely. In one night, in one night, Ellie, the Dallas or the, the, the Safari Club International raised $1.2 million to um, put together a war chest to fight any challenge to um, stop trophy hunting um, of, of, of lions. You know, you and this, this, is, this is something you know, I think I can talk with you about. That's, and we've talked about it in our communications. This is a real quandary to me. We have so much money in the world. And we have this hunting concession lobby that you just said raised over a million dollars to in one night, fight, in one night to fight uh, restricting lions. And a hunter will pay fifty, sixty thousand dollars to kill a lion. How do we sway that community of mindset to put that same amount of money to protecting lions? So that maybe in future, if you know, if it ever had to come back, hunting of lions could be viable. I am not pro hunting of lions, but how do we sway that community of dollars to go toward conservation versus killing? It's very, very difficult because you know they are they 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 believe they they have taken they have taken whatever medicine it takes to become a, a trophy hunter and they really believe that what they're doing is going out to Africa and conserving these animals. And you see this time and time again by their, their announcements. You know, I shot a lion, but that killing that lion means that, you know, 10 more lions will live. But they have absolutely no idea. They get their propaganda from their, from their, um, their, their Safari Club internationals and the Dallas Safari Club. And it's, it's all public relations spin. It has nothing to do with reality. But these guys, you know, let's let's give them some credit, or or let's 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 say that they that they really don't understand, but they want to justify. And there's lots of ways of justifying it. And the Safari Clubs International provide them with the justification and make them feel good about you know their hunting activities. And also the African states do because they're so desperate for money. Because you know this in 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 places where there is trophy hunting, the the African states are very very dependent. You know we look at a case like Zambia, for example. You know we we were instrumental in in uh, getting Zambia to say um, we will stop all hunting of lions and leopards. And, and Botswana did the same, at least with lions. Yeah, and and we were instrumental there as well to, to you know to stop the the trophy hunting of, of of lions and leopards. But you know what what's happening now is that 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 resolve, that initial resolve, is being chipped away and chipped away and chipped away, because Zambia thinks that they have four thousand lions. In fact, they're lucky if they have four hundred. And you know, it's it, it's this mindset that we have lots of lions and they can be hunted and we can gain the money from them. You know, South Africa, for example, just recently, South Africa said we've got so many lions, we're going to list them as a species of least concern. I read you know, that, that and, and was just and boggled. Can you can you imagine that? You know, here we are 
fighting for lines all over the continent. And South Africa, you know, in a blindered way, it says, look, we got plenty of lions and they are now a species of least concern. The mind boggles about, you know, how these decisions are being made. Well, the mind actually doesn't boggle how these decisions are being made. These, these decisions are being influenced left, right and center by vested interests. And, and I can tell a lot you exactly lions, where these vested interests come from. And a lot of these lions that they're counting are, go back to what we've talked about previously on this program, the canned bread lions. You know, that is not the same species they are genetically inbred. Um, they're taking wild lions to uh, increase the genetic lines. So uh, we have to look at what lions we're talking about. So listeners, what I, I hope you're understanding from our program today with Peter is that lions are under siege and our long, long human history with this iconic species is coming to the test right now and it is up to us to find ways to, as Chris Mercer talked about and Ian Mickler and Donnelly Patman, to cut off the arms. The Safari Club Internationals, the Dallas Club, the Hunting Concessions, named or unnamed, whoever, cut off the arms of this um, ideology that lions will always be there. So how can we talk to the the European Trade Commission or the Wild Right the Wildlife Trade Regulation Scientific Re- Review Group? How do we how do we participate? How do we help you and LionAid as people here in the US who don't live with lions? How do we help? Well, Ellie, you know, let let's back up one step. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of research, 12, 12 years of research on, on lions in, Af- in, in, in Botswana and before that some, some years in Kenya. And what I, what I started to realize is that this research is all very well and it's all very fine because you find out some really interesting things about lion reproduction and lion diseases, etc. But it's not addressing the conservation of lions. We don't really need all that much more research to be able to conserve these animals. And where the conservation of lions is going to come from is some really tough laws. The, 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 the countries themselves need to say, okay, we're going to stop trophy hunting like, like Zambia did and like um, Kenya did a long time ago and what Botswana did right now. We need to have more and more of those countries. So anyway, we set up LionAid to address exactly that. What we do is we go and talk with with decision makers, decision makers in Africa and decision makers in in in, uh, in Europe, and hopefully you know we'll be able to be given some access to decision makers in the United States as well, because we have a really good case to present. We we know what's going on on the ground. We know the African ministers. We know the people involved, and we can say, look, this is the situation that you guys need to address, and hopefully. What, what will happen, and we have been instrumental in, in for example, with the, with the European Union to put together a, um, um, a necessity to have import um, permits to be able to get any lion trophy out of Africa. Now, this is a big step because before that, all that the countries needed to do was to issue an export permit to be able to come into, you know, a trophy to come into the European Union. But now that they need an import uh, permit, the, the countries in the European Union can take it in hand because they have the way to refuse. They can say, we will not give you an import permit. And that has already happened with countries like Benin, Burkina Faso and Cameroon, where the European Union will not allow any trophy to come in from those countries. Now we need to ex- expand that base a little bit. We need to say to Tanzania, look, how well are you doing in terms of your lion conservation? Hold on a second. You don't know how many lions you have? Okay. 
finished. No more lion imports until you come up with some really good numbers about how many lions you have and whether or not trophy hunting is sustainable. That's the kind of thing that we're, that we're trying to achieve. So and what I'd like our listeners to know is they can go visit lionaid.org. You can um, look up, sorry? Absolutely. Lionaid.org and uh, participate in some of their projects. At least read what's going on. If we have knowledge and we, as Peter had said, the research is here, we can always do more research. There's always a need for more information. But we are at the point now, a tipping point, that if we don't do something now and take legislation and law in hand and turn this around, as Peter said, don't allow the lion trophies to come into your country, then there is no place for hunted lions to go. So hopefully that would stop the killing of lions. So once again, look up lionaid.org, do some research on Peter Cat. He's an amazing man. And Peter, we've got just a little bit of time left. Do Do you have a final say? Well, I think I think the time for lions is now. We've been saying that for the last 10 years, but it really is now. <laughs> and I think that one of the things that we really need to do is is be able to, um, you know, women can do this, multitask, okay? While we're concerned about elephants and rhinos, also let's really get concerned about lions because these are deserving of our concern. They're, 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 they're an iconic species. They're historically important species. They're culturally important species they're an apex predator and they're going extinct there's no doubt about it so we need to get lions listed and this is a great idea as a world heritage species and this is a this is a new concept we have world heritage sites we need to start thinking in terms of world heritage species so write letters contact your legislators your representatives and let's do something for lions and unfortunately we're out of time today peter it has been fabulous talking with you yeah, Ellie, invite me back because there's a lot more to say. I would love to have you back. Let's just go ahead and after the show, let's talk about that some more. But in the meantime, this is it for today. This is Ellie Weiss, my guest Peter Cat, and Our Wild World. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 